welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore of the Old World, a lore podcast in which we aim to separate our ghouls from our goblins, our snotlings from our skaven storm fiends, and our bloodthirsters from our bloodletters, and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer stuff? My name is Ben Crone Barber, and I know fuck all about Warhammer. With me is my co-host, Christopher Crallen Allen. Bye. I mean, hi. Who also knows fuck all about Warhammer. True. 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 It's all true. And my dear brother, Darren. I'm on time. Who knows so much about Warhammer, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. After gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. Hooray! <laughs> How are we all feeling? Are on time? Hungover. We're rested. <laughs> Darren's feeling punctual. I'm feeling not hungover at all. <laughs> <laughs> and what are your excuses for both of these states of being? Well, I got drunk and Kral forgot the podcast was on. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait a minute. <laughs> Kral, did you did you reach three beer Kral last night? Not even, mate. Two and a half, and I was I was asleep by <laughs> ten. <laughs> and I was anybody's. <laughs> yeah, I had a lovely evening last night with with friends. Had two and a half beers. Woo! Mate, I was dancing around my handbag. I was... <laughs> <laughs> Got real red and sweaty. <laughs> Boy. Got emotional. There were tears. Oh, dear. <laughs> and then you played Crack-a-Holy. Crack at Crockinole, you Philistine. Crockinole. Crockinole is a game developed in Canada, believed to be from the 1800s in Nova Scotia. And it is the best game in the goddamn world, bar none. Anyone disagrees, you're wrong. I thought it was a way of cooking chicken in Morocco. <laughs> crocodile style. Yeah. <laughs> okay, today we're going to be cooking chicken crocodile style. What you Imagine eat is you a have crocodile. To... And... <laughs> you have to flick a chicken into a hole. Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to flick the chicken's hole. It's... Cracking old chicken served with a side of ham- broken hamburgers in a pla- black plastic bag thrown at you from a 30-yard line. <laughs> Welcome to Crocs, Chicks, and Crocodiles. No, it doesn't, it doesn't scan. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. No, nah, Darren, just sit down, mate. Just sit down. Go back to bed or whatever it was when it you looks forgot like... it was our recording at 10 a.m. this morning. <laughs> literally, I was literally, when, when, uh, when Ben messaged me, I was literally sitting on the steps in my pants watching YouTube shorts. That was what I was doing. <laughs> Going, I'm sure I've got something. That was That was me, listeners, less than an hour ago. <laughs> I, you know what? It's so great to be free on a Sunday. I, I love having nothing to do. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> what day is it? Who? <laughs> it's, so, Crocodile is basically Tiddlywinks meets curling. Is that right? Not at all. Uh, you got the curling part right. It's kind of like desktop curling and pool or snooker, I guess. Yeah. Right. It would be the okay. best way of, of, of describing it. And weirdly, more socially acceptable than playing with toy soldiers. Mm-hmm. How odd. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Who, who, who knew? Who knew? You, th- you throw two and a half beers in with that and it gets real crazy. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> it gets <laughs> real <laughs> flicky. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo! <laughs> half, the, half the people there were 
topless by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, there were. It was all elbows and knees, mate. It was fucking. It was. It was hard. Core. It was just fucking. <laughs> I'm just gonna like a few. Fucking pile driving each other into my dining room floor. Shit got nuts. <laughs> <laughs> the rune of doom came out. <laughs> it was a little dwarf ghosts. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Right, so from Krakenoli to it sounds like a really, really tasty pasta dish. Krakenoli to you know what? Hello, Reitland. It's time for Sarat's every cup. The what's that recap? When she says time, I just imagine like some like old guitarist like pulling a gurney face, like stretching the <laughs> That was that was the vibe that she was going for. That was definitely that was, <laughs> like that was her I'm sorry, I'm I'm not comfortable with mocking a child. <laughs> That's yes, you are. definitely not true. <laughs> you no, are. You're, you're poor children. <laughs> Who? Oh, fuck, I forgot them as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's recap the WhatsApp. Recap, cap, 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 cap. Last episode. Jesus, that seemed like years ago, no? Uh, it was a Necro special episode. Heinrich Kemmler and their Can't nemesis, Brachnar, the damned. The Necroc. Ben, define a Necroc. Uh, it's a vampire bloodline that has necromantic power. Yes. Not a necromancer. Correct. The most famous necrarch in the whole of the old world is known as Krakenol the Damned. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And he's Canadian. Interesting. He's Canadian, yeah. 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 From evil Canada. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Kemmler and Bracknar the Damned, as well as arguably the most evil character in Warhammer Fantasy, Constant Drakenfell. (laughs) (laughs) The first part of the episode followed Bracknar and Kemmler vying for Necro Supremacy and going toe-to-toe several times. During this saga, Kemmler is imprisoned, escapes, and titles himself weirdly, Lichmaster, as well as separately raising the infamous white lieutenant of Nagash, Krell, kicking off the much-loved comedy series, Kemmler and Krell. <laughs> Regarding Kemmler and giving himself the name Lichmaster, what, how did that happen again? Did he... Because uh, he, exactly. he, he mastered a lich <laughs> called Croven. That was it, Croven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Croven okay. the lich. D- did he defeat him or just kind of like... He did, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, okay, cool, cool. There you go. It was like, who's your master? Who's your master? Yeah. yeah. He smashed him in the head with a rune of doom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The Not in the crocodile. Doom. <laughs> we also learned about Constant Drakenfell, the quite simply dastardly long-lived necromancer who conducted a number of horrific events including paralyzing a family of royals and having his way with each of them. In an aim to try and be rid of Constant once and for all, the Crown Prince of Oswald leads a group into the Castle Dra- into sorry Castle Drakenfell and appears to defeat the tyrannical necromancer, when in fact it was all a ploy. Constant actually struck a deal with Oswald, who organized a play that was just the facade, facade, easy for me to say, in order to re-raise Drakenfell in front of a VIP audience in order to reign supreme once again. However, Ben... The plan was foiled and Drakenfell was defeated by a playwright and a super-duper hammer that glowed with power. And that was the end of Constant. 
for now. Oh, yeah. And there was that guy who just kept pulling weapons out of his pants. He was like, yeah. it was a playwright, wasn't it? He was like, I <laughs> yeah. know I have a saw and a hammer Wait a minute. and a gun. Uh, umbrella, broom, <laughs> last week's sandwich. Aha, a hammer. <laughs> Fun fact, it didn't actually kill him. It, it transformed him into sporadic Drakenfels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no? Yeah, Please yeah. yourself. Uncer- uncertain Drakenfels. Temperamental. Oh, geez, I thought Drakenfell. you were going to say uncircumcised Drakenfels. <laughs> uncircumcised. He may have been. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> that would be complete Drakenfels. Not, that's his cousin. Yeah, not. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Total gra- He's totally Drakenfels. <laughs> so how much of that do you remember, Ben? I remember all of it, but I, I was just going to question one part. Did You said it was when Oswald, whatever his name is, went into... The, the Crown Prince came, of Oswald. Yeah, okay, him. The Crown yeah, Prince yeah, yeah. of Oswald was what I said. Where he went into and the, the place and he killed Dragonville, but you said it was all a scheme and that he didn't. And that he... Were they in cahoots when it came to yes. this? Ah, That's I right. missed that part. So that it appeared that the Crown Prince of Oswald came out of the castle Drakenfeld and would announce that he defeated Constant and everyone's like, cool, let's tear down his castle. But Const- and uh, the Crown Prince was like, no, 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 let's actually leave the castle in place. Just as a reminder of how sh- bad shit can get. <laughs> of how great castles are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> of what a great time it was when Constant was around. So it was all a cunning ruse. It was a cunning ruse. <laughs> it was a- so after, question, Darren, after the play scene, after uh, the playwright defeats Constant, what happens to the crown prince? Is he exposed as a traitor? Well, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to read the book. Oh, uh, yeah. I can't read. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is it? Would it be in an audio book as well? Are they? Most of the Black Library stuff is in audio. Well, only well. only if you read it out loud and didn't realize what your voice sounded like. Yeah, <laughs> just catch yourself off guard. By no, those books are are too old to have been converted into audiobooks because interestingly well first of all it's for as far i mean even at this time a dead ip it's it's not an ip that's being actively developed although it is there's a game coming out shortly but it's like you know warhammer legends is really right. what it'd be under but also a lot of the the older novels had to be retconned into kind of the ever developing uh, standard lore. I'm thinking specifically of the 40k IP, which is of course great because that's not what this is. Um, but <laughs> but uh, there's a, a, a cracking series of novels uh, about an inquisitor called uh, Jack Draco, and they had to be effectively retconned because J- JD, yeah, it went into uh, like he spoke to the emperor. He uh, ended up as a disembodied spirit in the webway. He had put himself and his immediate staff into hibernation in uh, in freezers. Uh, He's achieved freezers. a lot in his lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, yeah. So when you say mm. I, I, I still. So when you say retcon, you mean reconciled? Is that what? Is that what no retcon? Some aspect of them of the books has been judged to be nonsensical. Like it ah, happened in the middle so. of. They had to take a view on space dwarves they basically said right these guys no longer exist 
gotcha. they've been eaten by a Tyranid fleet, and so they didn't have to develop any more I lore for that, that kind of aspect. Of I always thought that Reckoned was uh, what uh, a sex thing. Yeah, sex thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I reckoned um, his crock in all. <laughs> Dar, if you had to, you know how it's like so and so the lich master, so and so the the great. If you had to yeah. pick a uh, a suffix title for Kral, what would it be? Kral the goat plunger. Kral <laughs> <laughs> for Dar, but, it, but it's but it's not a sex thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he just has a plunger in the shape of a goat. That's it. It's really yeah. that's it. quite innocent. It's a novelty plunger. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name I want. Darren the novelty plunger. <laughs> a suffix for Darren. Darren the difficult. That's what I'll call it. <laughs> Darren the timely. <laughs> Constant? <laughs> and we'll pass on me. So, uh, Dar, we're, we're no, going on. with the content. We'll do one each for Ben. We'll do one each for Ben. Okay, right. Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is this is backfired. <laughs> ben, the spreadsheet master. There you go. Love it. I'll take it. <laughs> and your contribution, down Oh, I've got a funny feeling. I'm just going to say this. I've got a funny feeling. I'm going to go with Chris's. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the lesser of two evils. Almost certainly. Ben the Questioner. That's boring. Uh, I don't know, actually, that's a pretty good contender. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the politest one I could think of. That short was words. very polite. I could, see the, I could see the bit at the back of your brain moving as you cycled through all of the ways that could possibly hurt. All right, okay, okay. Ben the sits on the toilet too long and his legs don't work. <laughs> there it is. Okay, I'll go with that one, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Anywho... <laughs> right, now, moving on. Where are we going? Where are we going this episode? That is a fantastic question. Uh, not even I know, really, if I'm being honest. This episode, we're going to have a look at the greatest crossover since Pirates of the Caribbean. That's right, Undead Pirates. Oh, So woo. we're looking at the, the crew, the denizens, the people that live on the Vampire Coast, a.k.a. The Zombie Coast. This is in Lustria, so it is in what would you how would you describe it? Where would it be exactly in our own world? Lustria. Evil Florida, evil, evil Florida. Florida, God's waiting room, or slash Florida. Um, <laughs> uh, ooh, I feel some swashbuckling um, coming along. Hold on, let me get yeah. my swashbuckling, swashbuckling pants on. Okay, I'm ready. Go. Okay, so it's really no coincidence that at the tail end of 6th edition of uh, Warhammer Fantasy, they brought out a handful of characters, just a handful of models to put in units of zombies that were, you would be probably not too out of line saying that they were directly taken from Pirates of the Caribbean. So you had a vampire pirate, a... Spack-Jarrow. spack that sounds very dodgy, doesn't it? Is that allowed? Oh my god! Yeah. I don't believe you're allowed to call them that anymore, Chris. Oh dear, that was a spoonerism, wasn't Spack it? Back Jarrow. Is that like a finishing move in crocodile? You have to shout it at the top of your lungs as you flip. <laughs> 
so there was a, a vampire um, kind of commander figure who looked like William Shakespeare after smallpox. Oh, they had, I thought was, you were going to say William Shatner. That would have been awesome. Zulu, <laughs> <laughs> do we have Warp 9? <laughs> yeah, but it's later in life William Shatner. So it's yeah. <laughs> bloated with stuff hanging off of him. And he's also undead. Uh, he's <laughs> so yeah, so he had a big, the, this ugly looking vampire had a big neck ruff. You know, the kind of mm-hmm. weird collar that uh, people at that time had to, I'm going to guess, to catch food or to stop them looking at the horror of their own body because they couldn't see. It's like a cone for a dog. (laughs) The cone of shame. (laughs) The cone cone of shame. (laughs) Yes, sixth edition, you had a a kind of mini campaign set in Lustria and one of the kind of mainstays of the Warhammer lore in Lustria was the zombie coast. So you were able to add these undead commanders, these undead pirate captains, to units of zombies. And so thematically, they would represent these uh, zombie coast zombies. These pirates were uh, originally based out of Sartosa. I'm specifically talking about this little kind of campaign that came on. And that is Intilia, which is this... A kind of pillar of rock in the middle of an ocean or in the off the coast of Tilia that has been surrounded by more and more kind of weathered ships and they've been turned into houses and homes and it, it looks like a hive city for our 40k listeners of ships mr chris um a couple of questions just on the the rock out of Tilia is, is, is like gibraltar rock is that that kind of region if you were to... uh, yeah, that kind of ish kind area. Of like it's, the Strait of uh, Gibraltar. It's, no, it's more a, a kind of standalone pillar of rock that has mm. been then kind of hived by okay. uh, both the living and the dead and the mutant, a kind of a pirate city. Gotcha. Second question, what well, was more like just querying the location of Lustria, you explained it as being probably like florida i always thought lustria was kind of like the south tip of america of south america rather than it, it yeah south it, it, north america you know what i mean southeast oh actually do you know what you may be right i may have gotten it wrong so, so you're it's talking the what's, bottom, what's, the, what's the southern tip of south america <laughs> so you're talking you're talking shit darren is that basically what you're if the cap no you're you're right to call out because i got momentarily confused because of my punctuality the zombie (laughs) coasts or vampire coast as it has uh, come to be known is the kind of the bottom curve of brazil so the bit that sticks out into the atlantic just that kind of as you come around the corner as you're heading south for Brazil. Okay, that's, that, that's the vampire coast. So you're talking like the vampire in coast. South America. Yes, absolutely in South America. The east coast of South America is what you mean. Yes. Gotcha. gotcha. Right, right. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Should we start the record again? Just so we. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to. Uh, you may touch on this in a moment, but um, is there. Uh, whenever you. Whenever, whenever I've heard speak of the zombie coast before i always wondered why it was over there like most of the undead seem to be in the kind of empire side you know in the what would be kind of continental europe why why lustria 
there is a single and specific reason why Lustria, and we will actually cover that shortly. So what I would say is that uh, after the kind of little mini campaign for 6th edition, it kind of fell away into the lore. People could do vampire armies that are set in, or vampire armies that are members of the kind of vampire crews and zombie coast and zombie pirates. But um, it's really only a kind of, how would you describe it in computer game talk? A skin. It's really just, it's a conversion, the look of it. They would still count as regular, a regular vampire count's army. It's really only the advent of Total War 2, Total War Warhammer 2, where the faction gets really uh, well-defined as a standalone faction where it now has commanders and infantry units and uh, war machines, this kind of thing. Very little cavalry, which is weird for a naval-based... No? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bring on the horse boat. Yeah, it's that classic, uh, the the joke about we played three chuckers of water polo and 17 horses drowned. It's, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, please, please yourselves. So it wasn't until the computer game where it really became defined as a faction, as a standalone faction, and it continues to be that case. There isn't a rule set for the Vampire Coast. There's no official rule set for a Vampire Coast army of the undead. It exists in totality within Total War Warhammer 2 and I suspect soon 3. Um, so there's no models for the faction as a whole. There's just these, um, the, the kind of hero characters or the commanders you mentioned before. Are they still in print or what? No, they're, they're, yeah, they're no longer in production. Right, okay. uh, so really it's going to be conversion after conversion. That's right. really the only way. Uh, that you will see these guys on the tabletop. Just to kind of give them a brief description of the faction before we go into their origins, it they are literally the undead crew from the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. That's the core of the idea behind it. Uh, except they are constantly undead. They're not necessarily... They don't look normal when they're not in moonlight. Yeah, right. Okay. So they're just... Okay. It's just uh, bog-standard... Um, Zombers and the various other forms of They're troops. They're perma ugly. <laughs> perma ugly. Perma munters. Perma munter. Munters. That is definitely going to be my new tag on online dating. Like, no, I've got, I've got another one. Mindrafes. <laughs> God. Uh, uh. Cock zombers, yeah, the whole, and and so on and so on. <laughs> yeah. Really, uh, Ben, your question earlier touches it with a needle. How it came across was down to one being, and that being is, of course, Mister Bean. No, Luther Harkon, <laughs> who is a, a who is a vampire count, ostensibly of the blood dragon bloodline, given his last name. However. It's completely unknown. It's not particularly documented which bloodline he belongs to. Uh, his origins I remember as well, you talking about Luther Harkon. He got smuggled aboard a Chaos Pirate ship, didn't he? That's exactly right. Hey. Hey. I can't remember when you spoke about him. It was, yeah. 
Give me some arbitrary points. I'm just trying to think when it when you explain it. Anyway, I'm, it sounds like you're about to fucking move on to him anyway. So yeah, I'll shut the fuck up. Okay. Ah. You will get <laughs> six and a half points. <laughs> I'll, give it, I'll give it seven and a half schmickles. so luther harkon even he can't remember exactly how he started where he uh, originated from there's uh, all evidence points to kind of two broad concepts of his origins the first being that he's actually from nehekara he existed at the time of the vampire courts of lamia um, he was referred to as Luter, L-U-T-R, of the Harkoni, which was a barbaric tribe that lived within uh, Nehekaron in the hills towards the north. Uh, and so at some stage, he became vampiric and then began his inexorable rise to power. It should be noted that he there is no mention of him in records at all until the mid-800s of the imperial calendar. So he would have existed for about 3,000 years before uh, that case. Mr. Chris? Uh, you kind of just answered just then, like, how old is he? You say he can't, even Luther, Luther himself, cannot. Yeah. No. He can't remember his own origins. He's like, I don't at know where I'm from. Wow. Yeah. Is there, is there a reason for that? Uh, there is, and we shall cover that in the episode, yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. The second uh, theory of his uh, origins is that he was at some stage in the in the 500 AS to 600 AS timescale for the imperial calendar, AS being after Sigmar. He rose to prominence as a necromancer uh, in the eastern provinces of the empire. They assume it's an eastern province because he speaks in that, he has that accent. Uh, he has a Scouse accent. You're right, mate. Yeah, I'm from the east. <laughs> calm down, he calm down. He speaks with a very thick eastern European accent. That's what we would recognize it as. Uh, and so the idea is that he rose to a prominence in the eastern empire and was at some stage vampirized and then continued on his merry way through history. Those are the the thoughts, the two main thoughts on his origins. He's either several thousand years old or 1,500 years old. You know, that kind of idea. He's not, there's quite a, a gap in his understanding. Now, either way, he remembers that he was quite an accomplished magician, quite an accomplished necromancer and indeed while he was human he studied kind of general witchcraft as well this is thousands of years either way this is you know 2000 years at least before the institutions of the colleges of magic so these are the the hedge wizards the kind of uh, wise women that kind of idea of uh, local uh, magicians and healers and alchemists and that kind of idea mr chris I've got a lot of questions today, don't I? General witchcraft, like, yeah. is, is that is that a legit <laughs> subject of several subjects? Like when you're picking your GCSEs, like uh, general witchcraft, <laughs> uh, witchcraft wizard higher. economics. Yeah. Yep. 
So witchcraft is just kind of a general hold all for non-specialized magic. So it's the idea that you have some capacity to be able to magically heal or magically kill or magically transform or create a generic kind of illusions. It's not as... It's the general studies. Exactly right. Subjects. It's not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not as yeah. focused as necromancy or demonology or elementalism, that kind of idea. It's a kind of general magic use. Magic use. And when he was transformed, he remembers that he got a when he when he became a vampire, he remembered that he got an enormous boost of magical power, like a winds of magic enema, uh, gave him a, a lift uh, to. <laughs> Sounds refreshing. <laughs> and then again, it touches on the thing, the topic we were discussing last episode, which is the. You know, does ability at necromancy tr automatically transfer over when you become a vampire? You know, if you go from just a bog standard guy and you get bitten by a necrarch, will you always gain uh, magical ability? And the short answer there is almost always. But it, because harkens from a, an unknown bloodline, it's we're not sure whether he had uh, how would you describe it advantage. In bringing his skills with him, because it does seem to happen at absolute random on a case by case basis. As Chris alluded to earlier, in 876 Imperial Calendar, his sarcophagus, which is an interesting point when we think about which of his two origins he had, it's not a coffin, it's a sarcophagus, was captured. Uh, as it was being transported uh, up the coast of the empire, it was captured by Norsken raiders. So these are, you know, low-level chaos worshippers, evil Vikings, who took took command of the ship and uh, and pillaged it, brought his sarcophagus on board, and unfortunately, that evening they all started to fall sick one by one. Over the next few weeks, they one by one fell ill uh, from a wasting disease, which turned out that they, in fact, had kidnapped a vampire. Now, if you're going to kidnap someone, you know, maybe a halfling, just start out <laughs> easy, do you know? Sarcophagus are heavy as well, right? They're like oh, solid yeah. stone. Yeah. That's not just like oh, a yeah. quick, quick, like, smash and dash, smash and grab, I what should did... say, smash and dash. What did they think it was? Did they know that it was a coffin of sorts? Well, this is this is my question. It's not noted, but it's like, would you not have a look in? If it's as heavy as a, you know, a big stone sarcophagus, would you not kind of prize the top off and see if you could get whatever's inside? Yeah, yeah. Like if you like if you need to like move a sofa or something, you take all the cushions off, take the legs off. Do you know what I mean? Like bring it down sure. as component parts and also check whether there's any vampires inside. Yeah, I mean that that should be like second or third on your list. Yep. Yeah, yeah. A reasonable explanation yeah, must be like it was the result of a night out, really heavy night out. We've all been there when you're a uni student, you wake up and you've got a coffin just like yeah, at the end of your yeah, bed. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck <laughs> yeah. happened? And last it's got night? a traffic cone on it. You're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't even remember where the traffic cone came from. Where did the sarcophagus come from? <laughs> Yeah. I have a relevant story. I have an actual relevant story to this. Shut up. We used to do lodgings for students when I was a kid. I mean, I say we, it, my folks. Uh, and they, um, 
there were some students there, and I can remember one morning waking up, and there was a, a, a six-foot papier-mâché dragon's head on my bed. <laughs> I was like, It was like what a shit message, like, yeah. <laughs> like from the Godfather. <laughs> the dragon mafia are after me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a shit D&D version of the uh, <laughs> Godfather. So this ship... They have this kind of the crew start dropping one by one, but because there's not enough of them to steer the vessel, it gets kind of blown off course uh, and gets blown past the shifting isles of Ulthuin uh, and l- comes to land on the the relocated uh, and renamed Vampire <laughs> Coast at the bottom of uh, Evil Brazil and no, the bottom of Good Brazil and um, well Brazil. And uh, <laughs> no, wait a minute, Northampton. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm self-censoring as I go. <laughs> as he lands, he uh, Harkon raises the bodies of the dead uh, Norsecan raiders, who end up becoming the first zombies of the uh, aforementioned zombie coast. So was he was he just emanating some sort of disease then? Like was it just coming from him? They they all started falling ill. What were they falling ill from? Was it him going? Oh, he right now you're all undead. No, he was he was drinking them. Oh, I see. Right, okay. So he was kind of coming out of the sarcophagus and then having a little sneaky sucky. Yeah, Yeah. and then and then going back in. But they were all just forgetting that they'd been bitten, and then they were falling ill. I mean, how- well, I mean, he does have magical powers. He, he could have some sort of vampiric rohypnol move. Uh, and right. so they just. I love it when yeah, Darren gets all this kind of self righteous mode. Like, he talks as if, like, <laughs> yeah. he's the fucking vampire. Like, well, and he's got magical powers. I'm like, all right, Darren, you want to be the one teaching us, buddy? We're the. I mean, the to, be, to be fair, moves. a lot of this could be a lot of this can be worked out from context, lads. Come on. <laughs> have you met us have you met us no it can episode no, it about can. vampires <laughs> vampires famously drinking people no but oh on. yeah so, so vamp hypnol <laughs> ergo vamp hypnol. So just for absolute clarity <laughs> this wasting disease that they were falling it was yeah. actually luther just anemia sneaking out of his yeah. sarcophagi <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't just like a ba- batch of bad water biscuits. Like they were yeah, 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 they sure. were they were getting munched on. All right, okay. So they were involuntarily donating blood. Okay. That's, that's they what did was not happening. consent. Okay. And got so it. they got non consensual blood givage. <laughs> so <laughs> many jokes. Uh, the- <laughs> Upon landing uh, on the uh, the coast of Lustria, uh, he is keenly aware of a huge glut of magical power in the area. Uh, is that the collective so, term for magical <laughs> a glut? No, it just means a, a lot. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> a, a blockage of magical power. <laughs> <laughs> So what you have to understand about Lustria is it is uh, rife, rife, I say, with geomancy. So with ley lines, as we would call them in our own world, these kind of magical lines of power that connect kind of uh, hubs 
and vertices from one to another, and it goes around the world. Now, on many of these central hubs, the lizard men or the old ones instructed the lizard men, the slan priests, to build temple cities on those points. So a lot of these points have, uh, as well, cities, I suppose, on them. And these are like magical sponges. So it brings magical energy in, which is then directed by the slan priests to various parts of the world that needs to be, well, that needs it. Mr. Ben. Uh, you said geomancy. Firstly, cool word. Secondly, are there geomancers? And thirdly, what does that involve? They go dowsing with light coat hanger wires in little old spools of cotton. And if they cross, ooh, we found magic or some shit. <laughs> That's close. It's very close. You're thinking of hydro twats. Uh, the- <laughs> I think you're thinking of geomancer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that's when they f- try and find water, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, dowsing for water. Dowsing, Excuse yeah. me, I'm an idiot. Oh, so uh, so geomancy is magic to do with geography. That's magic to do with the earth. Uh, and so, in terms of geomancers, there are certain spells that uh, within high magic and dark magic, which can, in some cases, literally move mountains. Cool. The masters of it are really the slan. Uh, who, of course, all live, well, except for a handful of cases, they all live in Lustria. Uh, And part of the history of the planet is, uh, you'll recall that the Old Ones adjusted the orbit of uh, the the fated place, as Warhammer World is known. But then they kind of rearranged the continents. And so there were many civilizations that were just simply drowned out of existence when their uh, habitat was descended to the the floor of the ocean. There is a slan priest called Mazdamundi who caused the split of Lustria and the Southlands. So South America and Africa. They are obviously originally joined and Mazdamundi used his geomantic ability and split the continent into two and put one on one side of the world and the other on the other. Yes, so you know it's it's very easy to underestimate the, the power, the kind of story power that the slan have in the lore. There are uh, immense wizards with confusing uh, and slightly erotic powers. Moving on. I'm taking no questions. <laughs> uh, they... <laughs> so Harkon then understands that, or comes to understand, he is in a land of uh, supreme magic ability, and he wants that power for himself. He wants to take control of some of these artifacts, and if he can uh, conquer a city as well, wouldn't that be great? So he begins... Uh, a campaign driven by his own pride and his greed uh, to take over uh, Lustria and make it his own. He gets a great sense that in the city of Hortel, there is a, a series of vaults within which have, or within which he senses are artifacts or bound spells that he can use to augment his own capacity, his own ability, and thus become even more powerful and take over more of the uh, the continent of Lustria and continue his undead reign. 
all this time, he is effectively killing any primitive human he comes across. He heads into the city of Hootle with his ragtag band of daring do zombies. Um, he tootles into Hootle, sorry. He, po- he, po- he Hootle pootled. <laughs> Uh, and he comes across, not literally, an ancient vault covered in uh, glyphs, covered in these lizard man glyphs with some golden plaques on them, signifying some aspect of them is related to the great plan of the old ones. He tries again and again to, let's use the word penetrate, the defences of the vault uh, and get into the, what should we vault. say... The kinder surprise in the middle. He is Mm. unable to, sadly, because the defences, these plaques, were put there to defend against far more accomplished wizards than himself. Uh, These were specifically put in place to stop uh, demonic entities and chaos sorcerers from getting in because they're tied in some fashion to what is the elf webway, or sorry, the elf way stones way. You want to have another try at that. <laughs> I will have another try at that. These cities and the ley lines, the kind of geomantic energy, are tied in some way to the high elf waystone network, which uh, both powers and protects the great vortex at the heart of Ulthuan. And so uh, these vaults contain artifacts and items, and yes, those mean the same thing, that (laughs) would damage or allow an evil sorcerer to corrupt some aspect of the Waystone network. These defenses are triggered, and it shatters his sanity. Wow. Literally like hitting a mirror with a hammer. He ends up with a multiple personality disorder. So he is a, a vampire with a fractured sense of self. But also, as it did this, a secondary effect of the the uh, the defensive magic around this vault stripped him of his connection to the winds of magic. Uh, and not just took away his ability, it made him, in effect, a negative wizard, the opposite of a wizard, which is not not a wizard. It's someone who has, it's someone who radiates a kind of nullifying field of magic around them. Oh wow! So like a pariah. Yeah, exactly like a pariah from Forty K uh, for souls. So spells don't work on him. Magic items, if he's holding them, they turn into just the ordinary version of whatever the item is. So a magic sword is just a sword. He has no capacity to use magic at all and there's some evidence that he doesn't even or he no longer even understands fully what magic is and how he used it in the first place so he is almost irredeemably insane oh yeah Mm. it's definitely Mm. a a, a kick right in the uh, personalities he's under constant siege within himself from aspects of his own personality so there will be times where he literally sits still while the different aspects are trying to battle for control of the body. So it's almost like the kind of ultimate Hollywood version of someone with multiple personality disorder. 
Uh, if you know what I mean, that's it's not not how it works that's in the intense. real. Yeah, um, and I'm guessing that if like a, a kind of chaotic or or a demonic magic user attempted to get into that temple or whatever it was that had the plaques, their defense would have just been like a repellent to them. It wouldn't it wouldn't have had the same effect. It, it was because he was way less powerful than their intended target that it like absolutely rinsed him. Uh, I think almost the opposite is true because he was he was made of matter. He, you know, he's dead, but there's a physical presence there. That's what stopped him from actually just being destroyed completely, because these vaults are shielded against demons, and and a demon is almost pure magical energy from an aspect of a larger demon and thus uh, from the, the, the various chaos gods, that if they had been struck with that, they would have been wiped from existence rather oh, than being yeah. banished back into the realm of chaos, which is the you know 99.99% of all exorcisms do that. It, it would have destroyed the energy itself of which that demon is comprised. Mm. Bamfed him out of existence. Yeah, it, yeah, bamfed. Exactly right. There would just be a cloud of blue smoke and a vague smell of asparagus. That's, <laughs> as I understand it, that's what happens when Nightcrawler bamfs. Yeah. <laughs> so depending on which personality is in charge, which aspect is in charge, really informs which sort of abilities and skills uh, he has uh, dominant at that time. But regardless, he understands that he needs to search for a cure. He needs to try and make his sanity whole so that he can continue his his masquerade of undead swampness. I ran out of steam on that one. I had nothing. nothing. (laughs) Mr. Chris. I mean, yeah, definition of insanity. Actually, I don't. I'm not even going to pretend I know what the definition of insanity is. But part of being insane is... doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. There's that as well, but the fact that you probably don't know that you're insane. So there's some sort of, there still seems like a a little glimmer of sanity there that he knows he needs to achieve something and he knows the reason why he can't achieve it and he has to solve that by pulling himself together again. So he is aware that he's bonkers. He's like, I am fucking cuckoo. I need to do something about this. I know I'm not meant to be wearing these gloves on my feet. I know it. I need to do something about this. <laughs> and these underpants make a terrible hat, but I, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I mean, the implication from what you're saying is that he did an unexpected and really aggressive handstand. He just cartwheeled into his wardrobe and came out the other side. Just, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you know what? This looks great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll that. <laughs> and kill anyone who gainsays me. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a vampire admiral in need of a specialist? Be it bosun, navigator, or deckhand. Your first port of call should be Dreadmark Naval Recruitment. At Dreadmark Naval Recruitment, we specialize in making your needs our commands. We seek out the best candidates from all the 
simply drown them in their own blood. Once the candidate is dead, we arrange reanimation, outfitting, and shipping to your destination of choice. Dreadmark Naval Recruitment operates discreetly in all major ports. Simply ignite a disembodied torso in your crow's nest, and our representative will possess it and take your order. Dreadmark Naval Recruitment. From Graves to Waves. <laughs> He begins to understand what he needs to get. So there's some aspect of this spell that decimated his sanity and his magical ability. He got some insight from that, which still exists within him, where he knows roughly which artifacts he needs, but he also needs the kind of mummified remains of one of the slan, of one of the kind of first or second generation. Which generation eludes me at this moment in time? Um, <laughs> the most, the most obvious uh, contender is the Slan uh, Lord Croak, who yet yeah, that's the name of the giant brain frog, Lord Croak. He had a choice of which mummified remains he could use. It yeah, he was like, "That's the that's the best candidate right there." He's inspected he went, all the mummified remains. He went for the punny and... one, yeah. <laughs> so Lord Croak is in fact dead but also in a weird way alive um so his <laughs> very much like the empire of emperor of man in 40k his body is dead it's been mummified and it's still sitting on this great palanquin which is this hovering the imperium of man not the emperor of man no i'm speaking about the emperor of man not his empire um, Shut up! No, you would. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. Um, where the body is dead, but the spirit still clings to it, still inhabits it, uh, and rattles so around inside Lord, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, like a pee in a whistle. Now, I'm not implying that Harkon needs to blow Lord Cloak. Lord Crow. <laughs> That's not what I'm playing at all. However. <laughs> However. I mean, it's on the list it anyway. of things to try. Yeah. <laughs> but only because it's sterile and he likes the taste. <laughs> so he begins to get together his kind of, uh, his lead lieutenants and sends them off on missions to try and capture these specific artifacts or to get information relating to the future capture of these specific items. This leads him into a enormous conflicts with the, the lizard men, uh, obviously. So a couple of notable uh, campaigns. One was the invasion of Itza in 930 uh, Imperial calendar, where he is, uh, his forces are repulsed as they're trying to get into the city to grab one of these artifacts. And it's repulsed by a slan and a what's referred to as a croxagore, which is an enormous walking crocodile. Hey, look at that. It looks back, Chris. Uh, an enormous walking hey. crocodile. Crocodile. Like, oh, sorry. No, all crocodiles walk. An enormous bipedal crocodile, uh, referred to as a croxagore, <laughs> who walks around with an enormous obsidian mace. And so his uh, advances were rebuffed. In militarily, not sexually, 
he was uh, forced to <laughs> Could retreat. have been politically. <laughs> Beat them off with obsidian hammer. <laughs> obsidian hammer sounds like a a rival nightclub to Black Crag. <laughs> <laughs> obsidian hammer is the hardcore S and M nightclub. <laughs> you can't get in unless you're wearing leather. <laughs> And something on you needs to be chained to something else on you. <laughs> and or, or someone else. Someone else. Yeah. <laughs> While these various campaigns are happening, we're seeing the kind of colonization of Lustria by the what was well, by the old worlders, by fleets from Tilia, Estalia, by uh, Norse fleets, Norsecan fleets coming from. Norska, and also by the Empire. So you get these little colonies being set up on the coasts uh, of uh, uh, good Brazil as these various other empires are trying to make inroads into Lustria for usually for trade and uh, so forth. But uh, upon landing, they all uh, ultimately uh, are attacked by uh, lizard men forces who just want to keep everyone away so they can protect their kind of magical hubs and as these ships are, are arriving uh, a fair few of them are met by a growing fleet of uh, undead crude ships which tend to decimate whichever forces they come across so this is really where you start getting the kind of zombie pirates coming to the fore as the the kind of newly minted, technologically advanced, in quotes, Western old world are colonizing Lustria. You see a, a significant, significant number of black powder weapons, both pistols, rifles, cannons. But you also see, uh, because they're colonizing, they bring with them civilians or, or snacks, as uh, vampires would uh, call them. <laughs> but also like the the livestock and the associated vermin and what have you that come with that, all of which are affected to some degree by the kind of background magical radiation uh, of Lustria itself. So you start seeing larger rats come into play, some of which are in fact Skaven who have, Ooh. of course, tunneled over. So you're talking about the uh, clan pestilence. Mr. Ben. When uh, your man, I forget his name, but the one who lost Luther his father. Luther Harkon. Luther Harkon. Yeah. When he arrived, hmm. the rest of the crew were undead. Is that right? Yes. Or were they, yeah. they were undead. Were, yeah. But they're not undead in a kind of controlled by a necromancer way. They were undead in a vampire way. Is that right? uh, which is exactly which is exactly the same way. The it, it's right. ne it's necromantic control, whether it's done by a necromancer or by a vampire. Okay, so follow up question: When he tried to get into that place and the plaques fucked him up, what yep. happened to his control of the undead crew? Fantastic question. It still remains in in terms of the zombies. Uh, recognize he is a vampire, but they are sustained by the kind of background radiation of magical oh. energy within within Lustria. That is not to say that they are as sharp as they would be if he was able to 
exert full necromantic control over them. But he is able to uh, act through other vampires and other magical beings uh, who have some um, control over the undead. Gotcha. So there's the kind of full panoply now at current time in... uh, on the vampire coast, there there is a fairly well established uh, undead empire with all the kind of various troop types you would expect, and some of the more surprising ones that uh, that you wouldn't expect. The, with all this traffic going around and his capacity to be able to take over some of these ships, he gets a, a larger fleet. But he also institutes just before the kind of great black plague in the empire. Uh, so. He, he, What's that? Eleven, eleven. So about a hundred-ish years before that, he casts an enchantment over the whole of the coastline of what is now the Vampire Coast, and that uh, magical uh, kind of uh, area, a form of geomancy, I suppose, forces ships that are get caught up in it to wreck uh, and thus drown all the crew and passengers who are then automatically raised as, any minute now, zombies. Uh, He does this (laughs) through necromancers uh, and through vampiric lieutenants because, as we've said, he has not only no magical ability, he has anti-magic ability. Mr. Chris. So how is he communicating and delegating these magical responsibilities to his necromantic subjects without nullifying them at the same time? Email. Undead email. (laughs) All right. He gets them all in a room, tells them what he wants to do, and then he retreats to a safe distance. (laughs) And and then they do it. It's not permanently nullifying them. It's just if you're in his aura. In if exactly right, yes. Apologies if that wasn't clear earlier. Does that not fuck with the necromancers at like kind of their mental state, or is it just kind of like you just forget to ha- ride a bike? It's as innocent as that. And then when you leave the room, uh, you uh, remember yeah. how to ride a bike again. You're like, ah, oh, a bike. <laughs> 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 but it's mostly jungle. Um, <laughs> My kingdom that- for a road. <laughs> <laughs> Think of it as effectively you've got a remote control that when you move into a certain room in the house runs out of battery, and then when you move out of that room, the battery is somehow back again. That's that's what it's like. Yeah, right, 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 right. He then, with this kind of renewed force of of zombies and uh, vampires and uh, other specialized troops, he begins uh, a campaign into a city called Axolotl. I mean, these names are great. In the very early days of Warhammer lore, there was a lot of comedy names for Lizardmen, and there's there's one at the end of this kind of bit of lore, which is, Mwah! it's so stupid. But yes, so he in, invades this uh, city in an attempt to get its uh, geomantic uh, energy and add it to his own power. And ultimately, this makes him a huge target for Slan priests because he's been an annoyance uh, up until now, the defences, the general defences of a city have been able to uh, keep him at bay. But with his uh, almost complete conquering of this city, all of the, how would you describe it, all of the slan in the network, in the uh, network of cities, 
suddenly are keenly aware of the dire threat that's now happening in the vampire coast. Uh, and thus they begin in earnest uh, campaign after campaign of forcing these uh, vampires and their undead hordes back uh, into the sea. Uh, and so you you get a lot of hot lizard man on zombie action in that part of the world. <laughs> I knew you were going, oh, yeah. you were going down that route again. That's definitely something you want to look at on an incognito tab. That's right, yeah. And this this episode is sponsored by NordVPN. Uh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've that, just seen um, something on your history. <laughs> <laughs> the way that, and how often Darren goes on kind of like these sexual kind of innuendos and stuff you could mistake Warhammer <laughs> fantasy as like a carry-on film you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really could oh matron <laughs> yeah. hello yeah mo- a little mo- bit most of, of zombie on something action mo- you know what mo- I'm saying most but how's your father? How's your zombie? <laughs> yeah, no, most how's of the baddies father? in my head are either <laughs> Kenneth, Kenneth Williams or Sid James. That's, that's the two I have. In my head, very occasionally, Barbara Williams. <laughs> the, the dangers of the vampire coast are communicated back to the old world by the various colonies and, and trade uh, organizations that are attempting to exploit Lustria. In 1492, there is a renewed push to get... Why are you smirking at? Why are you smirking? It's just a, you just reminded me of a... Uh, um, oh, fucking hell. George Dawes. You know George Dawes from uh, Shooting yeah. Stars? When they did yeah. the renewed version, he did this song, and he's like, in 1982, in 1982, <laughs> I invented the shoe... 1982 and so on and so forth. Sorry, that was so pointless. I don't know why. Oh, I'm really pleased that I asked that question. (laughs) So am I. I invented the flu, which grew and grew and grew. I apologize to you. Ah, chew. Have a tissue. Uh, yes, so in 1492, I had a poo. Uh, <laughs> 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 While watching the shmoo. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> the, with this renewed push uh, about the fleets coming back, not about my poo in 1942, uh, we're coming <laughs> back to Lustria. Harkon used not only the dangerous waters, the magically enchanted waters around the vampire coast, but also his own naval superiority to begin to exert his influence over these colonies and over these over these fleets. And in some cases on specific captains of ships who were, how would you describe it, dark-hearted, the more mercenary and evil and piratical captains of these ships began to ally themselves with the Pirates of the Vampire Coast. And it was at that stage he began handing out uh, these ebony skulls. So these are these are very much from, uh, if you can remember the story of Pirates of the Caribbean, these are like the coins that you, if they hit the water, they send out a signal. So these skulls, which are uh, also gilded, if the captain holds it and you know communicates his need for allies very quickly, 
a, a fleet of ships from the uh, from the Vampire Coast will arrive. So it's effectively a, what would you describe it? An undead life alert bracelet. So if SOS kind of yeah, scream out, hits a button, yeah. you hit a button, and suddenly it's, zombies. It's and an undead undead rape alarm. Wow. Moving on. Uh, the... <laughs> ben. Nope. Jesus. I simply meant in its operation, it has a little thing. When you pull it out, it makes a signal. That's all I was saying. Yeah, you could have said a whistle. <laughs> you don't pull something out of a whistle. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Oof, okay. With the advent of these kind of emergency skulls uh, with his allies... Suddenly, these zombie fleets start appearing further and further up and down the coasts uh, of Lustria. And because they always kind of hang around after a victory for a bit of pillaging and theft, suddenly <laughs> Harkon's empire becomes incredibly wealthy. It gets, you know, there's tons of gold and uh, gems, but also uh, magical items start flooding his coffers uh, and he builds for himself a significant uh, amount of wealth, um, allowing him then to pay for and bribe other captains uh, and so forth. Then in more recent times, he is allied with a certain mum from evil Canada. Oh, Ben's head whipped up quick there. Um, Ten points if you can remember her name, Ben. Um, Marathi. Yeah. Marathi, well done. Well done. Uh, Five and a half points for you. Five and a half points. <laughs> <laughs> so she's on the lookout, as everyone else who comes to Lustria is, for magical items with which to be able to enhance her power. There's also something else going on that I refuse to be drawn on until we talk about the Dark Elves. So with his assistance, they form this alliance, and with his assistance, they attack the city. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? It's a good ready. one. Here it comes. Chocker blocks. <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of off-brand OEM Lego. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Kinder Surprise, but it's Lego Choco Blocks. <laughs> so, as his undead armies or undead forces are distracting the defenders of Choco Blocks, Choco Blocks, Choco Blocks, food. <laughs> <laughs> um. Marathi gets into the uh, the heart of the city with her own forces from her uh, black arcs. Now, the black arcs, uh, if you'll remember from episode four or five of the intro, no. these are effectively floating castles. So these were castles that had been built on Ulthuin, which were torn from their the bedrock during the sundering and became the kind of floating palaces of yes. the Dark Elves. She had discovered enough wealth in the heart of Chocolate Blocks to <laughs> fill three of these arcs to the brim. 
with gold and treasure and lesser magic items. But she was looking for something specific. She was looking for a chest, and I and I shit you not, full of black pearls. Yep, let that one sink in. Um, <laughs> question on this. The sixth edition is when we started seeing a lot more meaningful stuff about the the pirates, the zombie pirate coast. Was yes. that in, in sync with the release of Pirates of the Caribbean, perchance? Yes. At the same period. I can't <laughs> yeah. it's quite an old a series now, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think I, I think it was maybe the second or third movie, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, maybe Jeff had been to Disney World or Disneyland. I can't remember which is <laughs> sure. the, uh, sure, sure, the ride sure. on it. Yeah. Uh, whichever one is in California. And for our American listeners, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> what Harkon comes to realize is that these black pearls would, would aid him in his restitching of his sanity. Um, and so he begins his march. He begins to attack the the dark elves who are standing between him and this vault. What Marathi does in a supreme act of fuck youedness is she reseals the vault without taking the black pearls because she understands that she would be hounded by uh, vampires and the undead until she managed to get to safety. So she resealed the vault that had these black pearls in it. Now. Did she snatch a bag of black pearls? Well, who can say? The vast majority of them, or all of them, were sealed within, uh, <laughs> sealed back within the vault of chocoblocks. Chocoblocks. <laughs> chocoblocks. <laughs> Let's all say it together next time. Just count us in next yeah, time. Yeah. We'll, just all, yeah. we'll, we'll all say it in, in chorus. Yeah. As she seals the, the vault, he himself manages to get to the kind of outer area, the, the outer catacombs of the of the vault. And in a battle, a very quick battle, she manages to effectively Sparta kick him into uh, the kind of outer area of the vault, which they then seal again. So he is ultimately trapped within the vault of three, two, one, chocolate Chocoblocks. Chocoblocks. Yeah, we'll need to stitch that one because the guys don't. Sounded understand. like we were deflating as we said it. Chocoblocks. Oh, I mean, I, mean, I, I know I was hungry. late. I might go and get some you... milk and a spoon. Yummy. <laughs> Yum. I'm going to get Good some old. Nestle blocks of chocks. <laughs> blocks of chocks. That's a different thing. Um, and so our story ends with the zombie hordes surrounding an unpronounceable city name, uh, but also uh, their general trapped in the middle. Uh, He ultimately gets free, but that's a matter for the end times when we cover it in 2035. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's effectively the story of the formation of the zombie pirates of the Vampire Coast. Thoughts? Yeah. Hmm. Lots of thoughts. When are we going to finish the Undead series? Ne- uh, next episode. Okay. All right. Fine. I was being <laughs> cheeky. I was expecting a, a, a bigger <laughs> laugh than that, what, what I got. What I got was nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> the Vampire Coast doesn't sound like. I mean, it it doesn't sound like a very big area when when you say it. Uh, it sounds like Portobello. Yeah, exactly. It's like a little. It's just a little. It's a peninsula. It's, it's a beach. Yeah. It's just a beach. That's all it is. Like, is it? Is it a big area? It's it's several hundred miles in length. So it's right it's, okay. where they they will have not necessarily cities, but each vampire will set up like a community and will have the undead hordes kind of fashion houses and what have you for them, um, and or temples, given on how much they wish to be worshipped. But yes, it's it's a it's not an insignificant size, right. uh, if we'll say that. Um, mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Bye. Interesting. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think that they're going to create a, a kind of tabletop faction for this? I mean, is it? It sounds like it's kind of kind of gained popularity through the the total war games do you think games work uh, kind of create create a faction create the models retrospectively yeah well at at time of recording uh, games workshop just announced what races what factions would be the focus for warhammer the old world and it's literally the factions that are in the old world at this time so right. okay. i mean it not even all of the factions because the vampire counts aren't being included the only undead faction is nehekara so you're going to have the tomb kings of kemri there's no lizard men there's no dark elves no uh, high the, elves what was really a uh, there are some high elves, but be, but because there are some high elf colonies uh, okay. uh, off the coast of the old world, but there's no. I think what surprised many people is there was no mention of Cathay, which was the huge kind of flagship faction in um, in Total War Warhammer Three. So I think it's doubtful at this stage, and I'm sad to say it because the the vampire counts and the their uh, zombie pirate cousins got a bit of a kick in from what will be covered in the older now that's not to say that it won't happen it's just for the foreseeable future uh there's no it doesn't look likely which which is saddened when you consider some of the uh troop types that they have in the uh the pirate faction which we will cover now so the um <laughs> If you imagine uh, the zombie coast, the the zombie pirates of the vampire coast are, uh, by and large, an in infantry augmented by war beasts and by artillery. Uh, so it's things that you would find on or swimming near a, a galleon, uh, effectively. Uh, their command structure is very... Yeah, dolphins. Uh, undead Evil dolphins. dolphins. <laughs> Evil dolphins, or... Sharks. These are um <laughs> so they have a kind of naval command structure. So everything's referred to as like a fleet captain or an admiral or a commodore or a captain, that kind of idea. The kind of head honcho of this is obviously Luther Harkon, but there are some other named characters which are quite interesting for the faction. The first of which is Silostra Direfin. This is a morbidly obese ghost 
who looks like an opera singer. She is <laughs> self-obsessed uh, and she commands uh, her crew within uh, uh, kind of various lilting or screaming. If you can imagine Ursula from The Little Mermaid, but uh, as an opera singer. Wow. Direfin's a cool second name, man. That's that's Di- <laughs> like that. Direfin. Also sounds like a medicine, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Give him 15 milligrams of Direfin, stat. <laughs> and it just makes you sing. <laughs> the other the other kind of two named characters uh, taken from uh, not only from um Total War Warhammer 2 but also from a game called Dreadfleet which was a uh, a miniatures game by Games Workshop where you commanded a small fleet of ships so it's a naval game and so interestingly it's set in the Great Maelstrom which is a, a kind of a huge area of ocean that has a whirlpool in it that draws the naturally draws the dead towards it. The dead are kind of uh, compelled to some extent to exist there. Like moths to a flame. Exactly right. Interestingly, it is at the exact opposite side of the world where the great maw of the ogre kingdoms are. Ooh. Or is, and that's the the you know the miles wide sarlacc pit, and that area mm, yeah. draws the living towards it. So it consumes the living. The great maelstrom ultimately consumes the dead. The great maelstrom is very much a pocket universe. Uh, so it's a a naval realm of chaos, uh, although cool. geared more that's towards wicked. the the dead than pure forces of chaos there are malign entities there but they're all they're all kind of sea creatures you know sea drakes the krakens and the krakens exactly right and from that game uh, which got ported into or the characters that got ported into are count noctilus uh, or noctilus i suppose is the more speedy pronunciation of his name and who is a vampire pirate who has his own kind of version of a black arc. He was able to draw his castle, his fortress, together with the uh, remains of giant beasts uh, and some other ships to form uh, this massive vessel from which he commands um, uh, his, uh, you know, eponymous dread fleet, which is a ship made or which is a fleet made up of the dead. Uh, so in the Dread Fleet, you have a, a, a kind of a tomb barge from uh, Kemri, from, or sorry, from Zandri, from uh, in Nehekara. You have the Scabarus, which is, which is an anglerfish that's dead that has been taken over by Skaven uh, from Clan Mulder. <laughs> and so it's, it actually is upside down and rotting and kind of sails the seas. And this is the one that's captained... Seen an image of that? That's it's yes, wicked. I've sent that it's before. Really cool. So that's the one that's captained by an undead Skaven. Cool. Is it Scabrous or something? Yes, Scabrous. So you then have an undead, uh, the classic kind of undead floating galleon, which is effectively just a ghost ship. And then you have, oh god, what's it called? The sword fin. 
the Swordfish, which is a a ship, a galleon, captained by a mutant. It's not captained by a member of the undead or someone who is undead. This is a Aranessa, Ariessa, Aranessa Salt Spite, and she is her. If you ever get, I'll share a. I'll put the picture of her in the show notes because she is badass. She's a mutant, so she has uh, her lower uh, arms, her forearms and hands are scaled like a fish and webbed. She has had her legs amputated below the knee, and instead of kind of standard wooden legs, she's replaced them with the sword from a swordfish. So she can, I mean... (laughs) Jesus. You wouldn't go Highland dancing with her. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> her ship itself has an enormous sword from a swordfish at the front, uh, as well Jesus for ramming Christ. actions. Yeah. So she hasn't got flat feet. She's just got the tips, the needle tips. Yeah, on yeah. her thing. Yeah, that must yeah, be hard yeah. to balance. Uh, she yeah. must be constantly just like moving to adjust her balance. Oh yeah, no, no, no she mean, still like... wears Nike Air Max. Like she just—it's a bit of a bitch to tie the shoelace. Like every time she goes down to do it, she cuts the inside of her arms. Like, well, she would if her arms weren't scaled. If her arms weren't scaled, yeah. So, as for the the kind of main forces of the uh, the zombie pirates, it is zombie pirates, uh, and there's kind of two broad categories. There are regular zombie pirates who are the kind of brains uh, armed Man. with melee. Uh, melee weapons, close combat weapons. But unusually for an undead force, there's also a significant amount of black powder weapons there. So you've got riflemen, you've got pistoliers, uh, and you've got cannon crews as well. Uh, They're not particularly very good, but they are quite eager uh, in terms of uh, shooting. (laughs) They've Uh, got spirit. Well, they lack in accuracy, (laughs) they make up for in can-do attitude. (laughs) Can-do attitude. (laughs) It's spunk. <laughs> spunk. <laughs> no. Not literal. <laughs> Not literal. We've discussed that previously. Uh, but then you get the kind of, you get back into the kind of uh, standard horror tropes. You've got huge bloated corpses that kind of stagger towards the the enemy and they're, they're almost like ogre-sized guys. But if you kill them, they explode and they cover you in... Um, Bloaters. Bloaters, in, yes, exactly. In, in right. party house gunk. Yeah. And then you get into the kind of the standard kind of verminous aspects of the vampire counts kind of uh catalogue of uh, beings. You've got effectively uh undead wolves that are referred to as scurvy dogs because they're dogs. But then With you scurvy. get like rat swarms. You get uh, what they refer are they to swarms as swarms de- of rats, perchance. They are swarms of rats, mm, yes. Mm, uh, and mm, then no, you, are on you it get. Today, mate. He's, on, he's on fire. Uh, I wish literally. Uh, they also then. <laughs> <laughs> A flambéed crowd. <laughs> A flambéed crowd. Uh, but then they've got what's referred to as deck droppers, which are these great bats, these kind of mutated bats that just kind of hang in the rigging of these ships and they kind of uh, flow out like a cloud of winged death towards the enemy. Jeez, and then, cool. So they're pretty great. Um, 
you then get into the more kind of larger aspects, which are kind of the ones that are seen most notably in the kind of advertising for the zombie pirates factions. You get what's called the rotten leviathans or rotting leviathans. These are crabs. These are giant crabs or krakens that um, are dead, reanimated, and kind of stumble towards the enemy. These are things that are about the size of, you know, a, a small cathedral. So what? they're not insignificant. They're they're Jeez. fucking huge. And they're usually covered in, you know, zombie gun crews uh, or pirate mobs that will just drop down and start attacking. So Jesus. Oh, wow. So you've got like these giant animated crab uh, things like tight there. Yeah. Yeah, and and they're just and and they and they're festooned with uh, other smaller units. Absolutely, yeah. That's I mean, cool. and, uh, but the 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 largest size as seen in the kind of video promotions for the the faction in the game, they're about the size of a small cathedral. Some of them are smaller and and what have you, but you can you can raise a, a not insignificant number of them uh, in cool. the game. Amazing. The final one I wanted to talk about are the uh, is the thing called a necrofex colossus. Now. This is sounds dynamic. Sounds dynamic. It's a thirty. Colossus. It, it's a thirty. <laughs> Three thousand. <30 to> f- <laughs> it's a coming it's soon. A thir- <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Carry on. It's a thirty meter high wicker man made out of <laughs> ship parts. He Amazing. said desperately. So it, it, well, for for those listeners familiar with the 40k universe, it's a titan. It's an undead titan made That's out of fun. the wreckage of two or more ships. So its body is the hull. Uh, it, its arms end in kind of multiple cannons. Again, it's covered in rigging, and it's but it, but also has huge strips of muscle taken from sea creatures and bone as well. Uh, and carapace from crustaceans. It's a shit title. So it's yeah, but it's it's a, a horrifying and terrifying thing to face, and it kind of stumbles sure. toward the enemy, blasting them uh, left, right, and center. Uh, is it mechanical or is it possessed and animated? It is animated insofar. Think of it like a an enormous puppet, uh, steampunk zombie. Okay. That's wow. how okay. to kind of conceptualize it. Um, there has been at least one instance where there was a vampire. I can't remember if she was a vampire or a white who was at the heart of one of these, who was operating it with her as her own body, as it were. Uh, and that was Leonora. Things and... Yes. She, yeah. she was it's just uh, a lot of strings. Yeah. yeah, pulling a lot of strings, isn't it? Pulling like cords, pushing out organs and things like that. <laughs> like... Well, well, hey, maybe if we tie it back to a recent episode of Forty K, maybe it's uh, it's like the the Exorcist missile launcher. It's just there's a pirate sitting playing an organ in the middle of this kind of massive playing Henry Mancini. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in the instances where there, where it's not being piloted by this individual. Is it also carrying, you know, other zombies and, and gun crews and stuff like the Leviathans? It can do, yes, because it's obviously uh, it's not only is it 
kind of a mishmash of muscle and bone and wood but it has it's festooned with rigging and zombies love rigging as much as i like rigging rigging yeah, uh, rigging who <laughs> <laughs> doesn't love a bit of rigging i do love a bit of rigging but also it it has its own malign intelligence so when it's not being kind of magically controlled by a being that's inside it of which there i could only find one example it really likes crochet yeah it has um it has uh, uh, someone's kind of it's possessed i suppose is the correct way what to is it, it like to love <laughs> questions yeah blam 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 crash bash somewhat ironically i can't swim boom 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 yeah. <laughs> and i think lads that oh, that's dear. Uh, I have shot my load uh, in a piratical fashion for the zombie <laughs> pirates this of the vampire zombie undead coast. Yeah, don't clap yourself. That's just <laughs> sorry. That's just we'll cut that. Sistical. I tell you what. No, even better. We'll just cut out you and me clapping, and we'll just have Dark clapping. <laughs> just <himself. didn't> clap. <laughs> Because the listener will be able to tell that it's just him clapping. Yeah. That is definitely Darren just clapping himself. That's definitely yeah. Darren's clap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clapping in quotes. <laughs> so, uh, thoughts, questions? I think they are the funnest undead faction I've heard. I, and I feel that was their point. You know, they were inspired yeah. from the Disney film, which is a jolly old swashbuckling romp. And I feel that these, this faction was was made in the same kind of spirit and idea and i really enjoyed them they're cool they almost seem quite harmless you know what i mean they're quite fun (laughs) (laughs) does that make sense novelty (laughs) i mean they are they are undead plus vampires plus ghosts plus various other things so they they don't seem like a barrel of laughs yeah but it's in a sunny part of the world it's not like in sylvania where everything's like raining and night all the time everyone's drinking rum and uh, <laughs> looks all that it looks kind of stuff. Like, it's like it's idyllic during the daytime, minus of course all the zombies and the yeah, yeah. Bloody, bloody, bloody. Do you get human settlements over in Lustre as well? Are there like human yes, towns? Yes, there are several cities. There are several okay, human cool. yeah, yeah. human settlements which we'll cover as we go on. There's a, a quite famous one. I, I won't give too much of the game away, uh, but it is a settlement. It's effectively. Uh, rainforest Amazons. Okay. Cool. Schnoo, yeah. schnoo. Right. No! <laughs> Death by schnoo, schnoo. <laughs> Do you think there's something kind of slightly uh, more or, or less threatening about them because they're miles away on the yeah, coast yeah, of yeah. a continent <laughs> that is entirely populated by human-sized lizards? Um, and whereas, you know, the kind of human populations are kind of predominantly, you know, on a different continent. So they're not as much of a threat, are they? They're like, oh, fuck it. They can, they can hang out over there. That's fine. Yes. No? I think, I think also <laughs> I don't know much. Most of the law that we've discussed in the uh, podcast so far has all been on, should we say, the European side, the old world. Yeah. Right. 100%. The empire. Yeah. Sorry, the old world is the world, the empire side, whereas Lustre is still relatively unknown to me and exotic and, like I say, sparse. 
like I imagine it's very sparse. I bet it's not, but because we haven't spoke about it, it's like there's Lizardman, there's Slan, there's a few Hermes Hermes. There's a lot of just untouched wilderness and rainforest there. Yeah. In in my yeah, mind, yeah, yeah. anyway. You said the old world is the world. That's not technically true, though, is it? Because in Warhammer oh, Fantasy Battle, the old world was that European continent. Is that right? Yes. And it's yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, the, fine. the new yeah, yeah. iteration of fantasy battle is called the old world yes because it's set exclusively in the old world yeah oh, okay so is the is the new iteration then not going to deal with you know evil canada and lustria i mean it'll make mention of it from a lore aspect but the setting but they're not really yeah they're not releasing any new figures or any new kind of rules for anything outside of the old world and a kind of the border princes Camry region or border princes oh, badlands Camry region so there are green skins there are uh, the undead of nehekara there is the empire obviously bretonia wood elves high elves skaven uh, uh, no skaven Interesting. Interesting. What the fuck? So they'll have uh, the the kind of. You're right, Frank. <laughs> no, I'm not. There's no Skavan. There's no Skavan uh, because you keep pronouncing it wrong. That's yeah. why. But they will have. Uh, there's dwarves. There's the forces of chaos. Uh, green skins. Uh, and as I said, the undead, but it's it, it's a real kind of shallow roster, you know. Wow. Uh, in terms of the Skaven, what they what they've said is at that time, the Skaven were wow. engaged in a civil war. Oh, okay, which is not not untrue, I suppose, but it, it's 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 a weird way to get rid of a an empire, an under empire that spans the entire planet. Where a Skaven force could pop up at any minute. Yeah, they were napping. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it sounds like they're setting themselves up for you know. Uh, oh, surprise! We said Skaven weren't coming, but really they are. Here's four hundred box sets priced at a thousand pounds each. Well, uh, well, it, I, I mean, ish. But what I think is what I think is happening is that they are reprinting a lot of the older plastic kits a lot of the kind of kits that were available in 7th and 8th edition for all of the factions that they've announced i mean it's a staggering amount of units individual units let alone having to produce 30 to 40,000 of each one they will be printing mm. continuously or casting continuously for various wow. kind of units and characters. So, yeah, you weren't going to get everything all at once. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. For the mm -hmm. new game, so, um, it'll, it, it'll grow. There's not but, enough plastic yeah. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to bring it back to um, the Pirate of Vampire Pirates, when you were telling the story of Harkin, there is, do you think there's some influence from the kind of the from our own history with the Spanish conquistadors and the kind of invasion of the was it the Aztecs or the Incas or maybe both I can't remember yeah I can't remember the the era but yeah that that kind of history it sounded very similar to that only I guess because it's you know the the lizardmen are 
they have a kind of Aztec sort of theme to them, don't yes. they? Yes, yeah, yeah, And then you have um, these I... kind of Westerners invading, albeit undead Westerners. I mean, from our own kind of history, uh, what they're trying to do is equate the kind of Luther Harkon arriving in Lustria four or five hundred years before the conquistadors, that kind of idea, arrive in uh, the, the Spanish arrive, is that the, the the kind of apocryphal story is that the New World was discovered by Vikings four or five hundred years before Columbus made his way across. I mean, um. we'll start with the fact that there were already significant human kingdoms and empires that existed yeah, yeah, yeah. in the New yeah, World. Yeah. So we say discovered with bunny ears. Yeah, before before a load of people shouted shotgun on something that already existed. Yeah. yeah. Just sailed around the world and put a flag in the ground. Yeah. So in Mine. when I was talking about the the kind of renewed focus <laughs> on Lustria in fourteen ninety-two in that part of the, the story, that's really when, you when the shoe. that's yeah, uh, Mr. Magoo. Uh, where um the <laughs> uh, that's really where the kind of conquistadori Christopher Columbus aspect comes into it, where there's this renewed invasion by Tilia and Estalia into Lustria to, to steal the wealth. Cool, man. Cool. I'll tell you what, if somebody turned up late, you've done a cracking job, mate. Well, oh, thanks very much. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say don't Google any of this because I might have just completely made it up. <laughs> <laughs> because I've been googling it and I don't trust what it is <laughs> right shall I wrap up nah <laughs> tough I'm nah. wrapping up <laughs> alright that's all from us thank you so much for listening details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on our website at layingdownthelore.com we also have all our previous episodes on there release schedules merchandise and you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lore newsletter which includes exclusive info about upcoming releases behind the scenes chat and some extra lore not covered in the podcast Big thank you to all our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do this without you guys. You cover our costs and allow us more time planning content. If you're not part of this merry band, you've enjoyed what you've heard in this episode and you want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash laying down the lore and sign up today for as little as three measly pounds. This will give you access to our Discord server so you can come and chat with us directly and there's an ever-growing pile of exclusive bonus content on there. We'll be back again soon displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, ta-ta. See you later, I want to suck your blood. Yar! Yeah.